Welcome to Hope Anchors. I'm Sean. And I'm Johnny. And together we want to share the hope that anchors the very core of who you are to all that Jesus is. Hebrews 6.19 says that we have this hope as an anchor for the soul, firm and secure. Amen, brother. Hey, welcome back to Hope Anchors, everybody. Uh, Just a little reminder, this is a podcast that is a continuation of the message delivered on Sunday mornings at Hope Covenant Church, located on the corner of Spring Mill and 86th Street here in Indianapolis, Indiana. And usually that message is delivered by my co-host, Pastor Johnny Ajo, but this past weekend, Johnny welcomed a new member into the family. Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about that, just uh, celebrating that uh, my daughter, Sierra, got married to Dan, and uh, we've been excited about this. It's been a process uh Number of years in the making. They met in in college, and and uh, and just really excited. I, I love his family, and uh, I love um, his parents and how he was raised. But uh, you know, we're talking about love and and family kind of love, and and uh, look at this kind of falls right into what we're going to talk about today. Talk about the father's love for us. Yes, uh, what you call this uh, lavish love? Yeah, is what you titled this one. And you know, it's kind of interesting. Um, as I get into this, and this is exactly how John talks about this, um, see how very much our Father loves us. Yeah. And I'm really, <laughs> I'm really digging the way that Johnny writes. Not, <laughs> I'm going to call him Johnny because I really yeah. dig the way that, you know, because he's so real. You're talking about Apostle Johnny? The Apostle Johnny. Got you. Okay. I love the way sure. he writes because it's, it relates to me so mm. well, and and I don't know if it's the way that he writes or if it's just the way that the the New Living Translation uh, Bible has it mm. written out. But man, it really speaks to me, and I can relate to him. It's almost like he's relating to my thinking as well. Mm. Um, and the reason I say that is because it seems so simple, and I'm a very simple individual. And even though this was written, oh, maybe a few years ago, mm-hmm. I believe this writing is still so true today. Um, and, and as I read verse one again, you know, since how very much our father loves us for, he calls us his children. And that is what we are. But the people who belong to this world don't recognize that we are God's children because they don't know him. I remember that knowing oh. is that experiential knowledge of him. You know, you can know things about God, but do you really know God? And I love, I love the whole idea, you know, in, in my translation, it talks about this great love that the Father has lavished on us. And it, and it kind of speaks to the measure of God's love and just how much he loves us. And I, I think I, I remember someone, you know, I either read it or heard it, but someone said, talked about the fact that that word lavished means almost giving to excess. You know, you're just, you're just, just dumping resources on somebody. You're like, why in the world are you wasting all those resources on that person? But that's how God is with us, that he lavished his love on us. And uh, it, it, it almost feels like it's a one-sided giving instead of a, you know, return for something earned, but that's kind of how God loves us. He, he just loves and loves and loves, and he just pours out his love and his resources on us. Yeah. And I think John gets into uh, the reality of what is happening then when he's writing, as well as what's happening today, uh, starting with verse four, because he really talks about everyone who sins is breaking God's law. 
Yeah, that's just, that's why reason why I ended up bringing this up last time, talking about the fact that you know law, uh, sin is essentially breaking the law, that crimes carry consequences, and so you're you're breaking God's laws when you sin, when you step off and you trespass, you're you're you know going on somebody else's property, you're um, you're indebted to God. But the the thing is, is that it's just going back to not doing what God said to do and doing what God said not to do, and that that's. Sin can be those things that you commit, but it can also yeah. be the lawlessness. It's the spirit that you do them. And, you know, and we're in uh, this letter, First John, and we're only in the third chapter. And every chapter is not that long. But how many times does John tell us and remind us, um, you know, that Jesus came to take away our sins and there is no sin in him. We've heard this before. Mm-hmm. Uh, anyone who commit who continues to live in him will not sin. I think we've seen that a few times already, Mm -hmm. but anyone who keeps on sinning does not know him or understand who he is. And I think this is, um, this is where we really get into some really, uh, this is where we really get into some of the meat and potatoes uh, of what John's really trying to say here. Cause he, once again, terms of endearment, dear children, don't let anyone deceive you about this. When people do what is right, it shows that they are righteous, even as Christ is righteous. But when people keep on sinning, it shows that they belong to the devil, who has been sinning since the beginning. I think John's really trying to tell us that there is a difference between committing sin and living in sin, Mm -hmm. to continue to live in sin. Um, Even if we go back to chapter 1 of this letter, he once again reminds us that there is a way to forgiveness in the Old Testament or First Testament, as we like to say. That was a sacrifice of a lamb without blemish. And for us, that was Jesus. Jesus was that lamb for our sins. I think we need to really understand that there is a difference between a commitment to live in a life as sin and just to commit a sin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you've got those individual sins, and and I think for any one of us, including us Jesus followers, there are sins that we commit. And John is making a distinction here. Are you abiding in, living in, conducting your life in sin? Or when you sin, you do as he said in 1 John 1, 9, you confess it. Because God is faithful and he's just, and he will forgive you of your sins and cleanse you of that unrighteousness. And so it's it's not so much a matter of did you just step off the path? We'll get back on it and confess that sin. What's what are you habitually doing? How are you habitually leading your life and conducting your life? Because again, going back to one of my favorite passages, chapter two, verse six: If you claim to live in Him, you walk as Jesus walked. How are you conducting your life? And so John here is talking about that the more the process and the direction of our lives. When you look back over your life, does it look like a person who is walking towards Jesus or have you been walking away from him? And John will make that distinction between those who say they claim that they live one way, but they're actually doing another one. And so he says, listen, you know, if you abide in him, you will not sin. Wait, what? Well, you know, maybe for, for many of us, there are, um, I heard someone talk about the fact that, you know, I, I don't sin as many times as I used to, and I don't 
sin in the same ways that I used to, but then there are new ways. <laughs> it, so what do we mean here? So uh, I was reading one author and he said, listen, it's, it's really important to understand what the Bible means here and what John is talking about and what it doesn't mean. So when it says does not sin, uh, according to the verb tense that John uses, does not sin means does not live a lifestyle of habitual sin. John's already told us in you know 1 John 1, 8, that if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. In 1 John 1, 8, the grammar indicates John is speaking about occasional acts of sin. The grammar of 1 John 3, 6 indicates John is speaking of a settled, continued lifestyle of sin. He is not teaching here the possibility of sinless perfection. Uh, John Stott, one of uh, one of my favorite authors, he said the present tense in the Greek verb implied habit, con- continuity, unbroken consequence. And mm. so here, the version that I'm reading in the New International Version has this idea that these verbs with phrases such as keeps on sinning or continues to sin, he cannot go on sinning. It's all a, 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 it, it's process. It's habitual. It's continuous. And so how are you conducting your life and what's the habit of your life? What habits do you have in life? And that's what he's saying is that a way, you know, going back to our our last podcast, the way that you remain strong, the way that you make that you overcome the evil one and you overcome evil is by remaining in the word and the word remaining in you, that you're abiding in him, that you stay in him, you remain in him, you don't go anywhere else, that you, you know, you start your day in the word, but you continue to live your life and conduct your day in his presence that you just can try to, you know, continue to remind yourself that he's with you and that, you know, maybe you've got a a word from that morning that you carry along with you throughout that day, but you're abiding in him. You're staying in him. Mm -hmm. You're not going anywhere. Uh, And I think that's where verse nine really comes into play. Those who have been born into God's family do not make a practice of sinning, right? You know, because God's life is in them. So they can't keep on sinning because they are children of God. And and I think this is very important to understand because I don't think John's talking to us that are, oh, who's struggling and trying to find God and trying to overcome this victory to to get the Jesus. Um, I really want to, he's really talking to those that are, just in that practice of continuing to sin yeah. and looking for ways to justify their sin. you know, and, and that's those that are staying with the devil. Those are the ones that are really, um, that, that we need to really be watching for. And if, if you're trying to justify why you're living in sin, that's, a, that's something that we need to be aware of. Yeah. The different themes that John has already brought up in his letter, one, one we you know, have already referred to, and that's knowing him. That's having that experiential knowledge of him and that you're continuing to know him, to continue to grow in him. But he says no one who continues in sin, you know, has that lifestyle, mm-hmm. is continuing to conduct their life in a way that's rebellious against God. You actually are proving that you've not really seen him and you don't have that experiential knowledge of him. But then, once again, using that wonderful phrase that he's already said many times in his letter, dear children, yeah. <laughs> kids, kids, listen to me. I just, I love you like crazy as your daddy. Just yeah. let me, let me share something with you. Don't let anyone lead you astray. 
The one who does what is right is righteous, just as he is righteous. The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the very beginning. This being decided that he was going to live his life contrary to God, Mm anti-Christ. And he's been doing that from the very beginning. And one of my favorite passages at tail end of verse 8, the reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Love that. He want, he has already destroyed the devil's work in terms of what the devil, Satan, was trying to do in this world with humanity. He's destroyed that by the, by the cross and by overcoming death through the resurrection. But then John will go on to say, you know what, no one who is actually born of God, and, and John is referring back to something that, you know, when Jesus was having this conversation with Nicodemus in, in John chapter 3, talking about him being born again, the one who has been born of God will not continue to sin because that seed of God's very presence remains in them. They cannot continue in a lifestyle of habitually turning their their backs on God and flipping their fingers off at God. Mm. Because you've been born of God, you cannot continue to live that way. And and they, and that's I, I I love what someone said. They said, "Listen, the the question is not do you sin or not because we we all do, right? But how do you react when you sin? Do you give in to a pattern of sin and let it dominate your lifestyle, mm-hmm. or do you humbly confess your sin and do battle against it with the power Jesus can give? Because believe me, it is a battle." John talked about the battle that we that we need to overcome the world that we live in, the values in its systems. But there's a battle against the Antichrist and the spirit of Antichrist. There's a battle over sin. And so you're going to battle against all of those influences in your life, and you're doing it by the power that Jesus gives you. Uh, I think one of the most important things to understand as one of our listeners, as a follower of Jesus, as you and I sit here side by side, is that we're not alone in this battle. That's right. Um, we have to rely on each other to go through these battles. We need that encouragement from each other. So when we do, when we do slide and we do step into sin, that we have that hand reaching out to grab us and to help us back. Right. I mean, that is so important. So the habit that we ought to have is that when we do slip into sin, we actually confess it and we turn, we return. That's the, yeah. the essence of repentance, that that's the habit. It's not, do you, do you sin or not? Because we all will and we all do. But your habit is that you're like, no, I don't want to, I don't want to continue to live my life turning my back against God. I am walking a different path right now. I am a follower of Jesus who follows Jesus. I am living with Jesus so that I can live like Jesus. That's going to be the pattern of my life. And when I, and when I um, go off the path, I'm going to turn to him and return to him. And I'm going to confess my sin. That's the pattern. That's the habit that I'm going to live. Because the ultimate goal is that you go and sin no more. Mm-hmm. That's the ultimate goal. This world will continuously battle you. This world will continuously come after you to, to make you want what this world has to offer. Yeah. That's what the devil's power is all about is how can I entice you to keep you away from Christ? We talk about this antichrist and that's exactly what this world at times will be over and over and over again. So we talk about this fellowship with God, this fellowship with, with Jesus, and to be in his word, 
that Holy Spirit has to dwell inside of you to be that one that reveals these mysteries. How many times can we talk about that? And, and you know, it's almost like, um, I, I'm going to go back, because you said, um, going back into John. Uh, yeah, this conversation with Nicodemus conversation about being born again. With Nicodemus, because it's so funny. We always get asked if our if our show is scripted, if we talk about things and stuff like that. And I sat here this morning and I wrote on my paper right here. If we go back to the book of John <laughs> in the third chapter, we can read more about being reborn through the story of Nicodemus. Mm-hmm. And so when you said that, I'm like, going, I, I can't believe this. Johnny and I, because sometimes we're on such the same page in the same book that it's it's kind of scary sometimes. But. <laughs> God is good. God is good all the time. John takes us back, getting back on track here, because John does take us back, uh, back into the message that has been taught from the get-go. Yeah. Verse 11, this is the message you have heard from the beginning. Love we should love one, one another. another. How many times can we be reminded of the simple commandment to love God and to love each other as ourselves. And as a good pastor does, you always bring out good stories and illustrations. And John goes back to Cain and Abel. And he yeah. says, listen, yeah. don't, don't be like Cain. He belonged to the evil one and murdered his brother. And why did he murder him? Because his own actions were evil and his brothers were righteous. Uh, he says, don't don't be surprised, brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. I know. That is that is so powerful. Don't be surprised if it hates you. Don't. I, I, don't, I, think, we, I think we're always trying to... We want the, we want people to accept us and to love us and you know and it's like, you know I, I think in the West that's our persecution that we're so afraid of is that people won't like us. Oh my goodness, goodness! Don't be surprised if this world and its systems and even people in this world actually hate you because of what you stand for. Isn't it interesting that John writes this uh, a few years ago <laughs> and how it that's still stands right. true today? Right. I just, it was flooring me when I got into this and I started seeing this. And what's really interesting for me, and Johnny, I want to thank you for this. Thank you for this podcast, uh, this opportunity, because even though this is my first time really going through the letters of John, and and I find myself really understanding this is the first time I've really gone through a lot of these books Hmm. in the Bible. And when I say going through them, Going to church, listening to the preachers and listening to other pastors and talk about it and being involved in Bible studies is one thing. But really going through this in a conversation like this, verse by verse, really makes me look at this and say, this is exactly happening today. And how, mm-hmm. how alive are these writings today and how truthful they, they speak today for our listeners, for me to really go, man. And it's really interesting because that's what John is doing for his readers. You know, just yeah. just imagine that John, this elder statesman, he's he is probably the the only surviving apostle uh, left. He is he's got to be in his eighties. This yeah. is after the fall of Jerusalem and prior to him being exiled on the island of Patmos. But he's taking his readers back to Cain and Abel at, to this illustration, and he says, "Listen, don't be surprised if this world reacts to you like Cain did." Just as Cain hated Abel and what Abel stood for, this world is going to hate you and what you stand for. But he says, listen, we know that we have passed from death to life because we love each other. That is proof Mm. that you are born again, that you've gone from death 
to life is that you love each other. Anyone who does not love remains in death. And John is going to borrow a page from his Savior when Jesus talks about the fact that you can't even think a thought of hatred towards somebody without it equaling murder. John says in verse 15, anyone who hates a brother or sister is a murderer. And you know that no murderer has eternal life residing in him. Interesting how he says that. Eternal life is not just something that we get to have when we die. You know, we think of eternal life as, oh, I get to live forever. The way that John phrases it is he says, you have eternal life living in you. There is a an eternal kind of living that actually resides in you. It abides in you. It remains in you. You've got it inside of you right now. And the reason why you have eternal life living in you is that you have the eternal one living inside of you as well. And that when you have the eternal one living in you, and when you know that you know that you know that you are in him, that he is in you, then you love the way that God loves us. And John, you know, we know what John 3.16 is all about. Here we have 1 John 3.16. This yeah. is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. That is so powerful that, you know, and, and we know that John didn't write chapter and verse. Yeah. You know, and it just so happens He's just that a letter. Whoever, whoever broke this down, how John 3.16 and 1 First John, John yeah. 3rd chapter, verse 16, says this as well. What's really interesting when we read these things, and we talk about the way the world hates us. Don't be confused, folks, because people are going to take your words to follow Christ, to love God, to love Jesus, and to say these things. And they're going to turn right around and twist it and make it sound like you hate them. Mm-hmm. And it's not them. Don't fall into that trap. Right. We love, uh, well, I uh, used to hear the term, hate the sin, not the person. Not the sinner. And that's exactly the way I kind of feel when I see these things. It's I, I see the sin that's being done over and over again. And you pray for that individual to to find God, to have Jesus enter their heart, to be reborn, as we have said. And it's so powerful when we do that. And just by to love our brothers, to love our sisters, to show that honesty, to be real with them. Too many times you're going to be misunderstood. You're going to be, the words are going to be taken out of context and people think that, oh, you just hate them. And that's not true. It's just not true. And I think that's why we really need to be that person, that that Bible that people are going to read is going to be by our actions, by what we say. Yeah. And John gets really practical in his, um, he's like, listen, I'm just going to, it's almost like a pastor going, okay, I want to give you something practical to do. This this is a way that you can um, show that you love somebody. He says in verse 17, mm-hmm. if anyone has material possessions and sees a brother or sister in need but has no pity on them, how can the love of God be in that person? Yeah. He said, dear children, let us not love with words or speech, but with actions and in truth. And it reminds me of something that James said in James chapter 2. He says, what good is it, my brothers and sisters, if anyone claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save them? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. 
If one of you says to them, go in peace, keep warm and well-fed, but does nothing about their physical needs, what good is it? In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by action, is dead. One of the ways that you can show that you love someone is by doing something for them. Uh, I, I love our church because, you know, we've got uh, a couple teams that people can be involved in, but there's the prayer team and there's the care team. And sometimes people are involved in the prayer team and the care team. But the prayer team is obviously about praying for people's needs. The care team is that, you know, if there is a need, we're going to care for that need. You know, if somebody's in the hospital and, and, you know, we can provide meals for them. But, you know, does your love for God and love for others show up in the way that you treat and care for other people? And this is, this is an aside. I love the fact that James and John are actually cousins of Jesus. The James that wrote is not the same James. The James that wrote is, is the actual, is a brother of Jesus. And he was not one of the 12. He was not one of the original followers of Jesus. He didn't believe Jesus was who he said he was. No, scripture talks about the fact that, that Jesus actual brothers and sisters didn't believe. Um, but then there was something obviously happened. In fact, Paul would bring up when he's talking about the resurrection, he talks about the fact that Jesus not only appeared to, the, to 400 at one time, but he had he appeared to Peter, had a one-on-one with Peter. Man alive. This is kind of powerful. He had a one-on-one with his brother, James. Yeah. And James would go on and be a leader uh, of the church in Jerusalem, and he would go on and write this letter. But I just, I want you to think about the power of this reality that you have these people who were family. They grew up with Jesus, James and John as cousins, and then and then this James, uh, and then even Jude. You know these half brothers of of Jesus. We say half because Jesus' father was actually God the Father, and not you know Mary and jo- uh, Joseph. Um, but just the, that whole idea that you've got these people who were so close to Jesus, even relationally, now saying, you know what, Jesus wasn't the son of Joseph; he was the son of God. That's pretty powerful stuff. But it, you've got these you've got these eyewitnesses saying, listen, that the way that we love and the, the way that we care for people is that we actually give to them. We actually do something for them that, you know, we don't just say we love them. We do something about it. He said, listen, verse 19, this is how we know that we belong to the truth and how we set our hearts at rest in his presence. If our hearts condemn us, we know that God is greater than our hearts and he knows everything. Mm-hmm. Friends, if our hearts don't condemn us, we've got confidence before God and receive from him anything we ask because we keep his commands and do what pleases him. And this is his command, to believe in the name of his son, Jesus Christ, and to love one another as he commanded us. The one who keeps God's commands lives in him and he in them. And this is how we know that he lives in us. We know it by the spirit he gave us. Isn't that amazing? In the name of the Father and the Son. Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen, brother. (laughs) Hey, everybody, guess what? Next week, we're not going to do the traditional podcast. Once again, Hope Anchors is going to go to church. Going live. Going live. Once again. Uh, So if you want to check us out, uh, we will be live, uh, live streaming during the service at at Hope Church. And um, yeah, you can find us um, when you search on Facebook and Instagram, you can find us at Hope Church. (laughs) 
Indy. Um, and then, you know, you can find us there. We'll live stream there. Our videos are going to be, they're always on hopecov.org on our website. Yeah. Um, and you can find them there as well, but, uh, it is fun. I, I really do love team teaching with Sean. I mean, we do this anyways, you know, when we podcast, but it's really fun when we get to do it live and uh, our folks really seem to appreciate it as well. Kind of preaching as a conversation. Yeah. It's a lot easier though, when we're doing the podcast, cause I can edit <laughs> uh, when we're live. It's like, uh, you know, that, that whole fantastically scary moments for That's me. Right. That's right. And, uh, but no, it's, it is a true blessing to be a part of this ministry, um, that hope covenant church provides for us. And, um, you know, it's what we do. It's why we do these things. It's a lot of fun. Johnny and I laugh too much sometimes. Hmm. Um, but in all reality, folks, this whole series that we're doing in, in John's letters is such a great reminder of who John was, that Jesus was real. Mm-hmm. We talk about a real person because if he wasn't real, we wouldn't be having these conversations. Mm-hmm. You know, you, you always say that... Uh, Oh, just that we don't believe because of what was written. We believe because something happened, but something, because something happened, these things were written and that's why we believe. And that's, (laughs) it's so funny because it's so true. And that's exactly why we, we close every show with this moment, with this, uh, with this phrase, Mm -hmm. you know, thanks for listening to Hope Anchors. Paul wrote in Romans 15, four, for everything that was written in the past was written to teach us. So that through the endurance taught in the scripture and the encouragement they provide, we might have hope. That's really what our desire is with this podcast is just to simply point you back to what was written in the past. And that maybe in, in, in what we as two friends in Sean's basement get to share, that there might be something in what we share that would give you hope and something to truly anchor your hope to. So listen, don't give up. Keep looking up and keep hope alive. Amen.